We all know Oklahoma has a ton of underrated beauty to it. The rolling hills, the countrysides, the sunsets, and even our cities. If you're interested in decorating your home or place of business with evidence showing off the uniqueness of our state, give David Schweitzer a look. David is a talented photographer hailing from Calumet who has a passion for capturing everything Oklahoma has to offer. And don't take my word for it. Check out his website at www.oklahomabackroadexplorer.com and get in touch with him. I personally like the abandoned building prints. I'm into creepy stuff, but it also kind of reminds me of what Bob Stoops must have felt when he first stepped on campus in 1998. Again, that's oklahomabackroadexplorer.com or check out his Instagram page of the same name. Follow him on Instagram and like his stuff for us. We'll appreciate it. One of David's specialties is taking his photos and printing them on wooden cutouts of the state. It'd go really well with an upside-down longhorn skull in your living room. One more time, oklahomabackroadexplorer.com. Welcome to the Inside OU Podcast, brought to you by New Balance of Edmond, featuring Keegan Renault from Soonerswire.com, powered by USA Today, and Brady Trantham. Hello, Brady. Bob Stoops here. Appreciate the great Sooner fan that you are and have been for all these years. Boomer Sooner. house once again but this time's on a monday it's all weird back 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 everything's weird because uh it seems like two days ago you won their six big big 12 championship in a row against iowa state uh, not six in a row against iowa state that would break their hearts hurt their feelings but regardless six big 12 titles in a row seems like they just played that game yesterday keegan and now we have to get ready and talk about OU playing another game in the cotton bowl that about more than half of Florida's offense just doesn't give a f- to play in. <laughs> yeah, they clearly are in the idea and realm of I'm going to go get paid, so I don't really care about a game I'm not. Real quick, we'll put the put the names out there for those that have been living under a rock, or maybe you've just been at work. You know, you're not everyone's like you and I, Keegan, where we can just look at our phones and say, "Oh my, this this 20 year old decided not to play in this football game." So Florida is going to be down. Kadarius Tony, Kyle Pitts. Trevin Grimes, and this is from Joe Bettner, covers OU for the Norman transcript. Those three accounted for 2,343 receiving yards and 31 touchdowns this season for the Florida Gators. Or if you're a big percent person, percentage person, 54.8% of Florida's passing yards and nearly 70% of its passing touchdowns gone from this game for Florida. And then in the last, what it seems like two hours or so, Jacob Copeland, another receiver, uh, tested positive for COVID, unfortunately, and tweeted out that he won't uh, be playing in the game. And obviously, hopefully, he can recover and goes is asymptomatic and nothing bad happens from that because there are more things important than football. But that's what Florida's missing. And now that we got that out there, I just wanted to say this before we get into, like, when you're going to talk me back down to earth, give me a bunch of cool little graphs that you're throwing in my face right now from our good friend Stephen Plassance from Sooner's Wire. But let me say this. This is getting into the realm of disrespect. This is Oklahoma and Florida. And I get that Florida's probably upset they're not in the playoff. I'm sure OU is upset that they're not in the playoff, even though this entire season we kind of discussed, yeah, they can win the Big 12, but so much has to happen for them to get in the playoff. I don't think that they're a playoff team with two losses. Florida kind of because of the committee and where they dropped them rank-wise before the SEC title game, had the silly thought that they were a playoff-caliber team as well. So, yes. I'm not going to lie. Some guy just opted out of playing in the bowl game for Air Force, and he looked originally very similar to Kyle Trask. Oh, wow. Well, they all look alike, don't they, Keegan? Those white football not players. Touching, not touching <laughs> it. Not touching <laughs> it. No, so what I'm saying is, yeah, this isn't where both programs wanted to be at this time of year when they set out for the 2020 season. But this is still Florida and Oklahoma. These are two awesome programs. Tradition-rich programs. Yeah, that have won a lot of games. And, you know, Florida is much more new money compared to Oklahoma, but they still have won national championships. They won one against Oklahoma in 2008. Um, this is a big game. It's probably the most intriguing bowl matchup outside of the playoff games. And even those games are going to be boring until the national title because Notre Dame's going to get their ass kicked. And Ohio State, Clemson, you know, who knows? But Ohio State's played five games, so who cares? So this is the biggest game, and yet... Now it's not. Now, like, Oklahoma finds themselves in a lose-lose situation. It is. It's a weird lose-lose situation, but I do want to say this. I would have picked Oklahoma to win by two touchdowns 
if Kyle Pitt, when Kyle Pitts announced that he was out. Yeah. I mean, just because now that three other players are out, that doesn't change my mindset on that. Now, I understand the conversation of it's lose-lose at Oklahoma – it's gains nothing by winning this game and I understand it and I get it and a lot of the conversation in the last couple hours has been about well nobody gave Oklahoma any excuses for losing the playoff game to LSU without arguably what we found out to be Oklahoma's best defensive player in Ronnie Perkins and DeLaren Turner-Yell being out um, Ramondre Stevenson being out also hurt them in that game Jalen Redmond playing out of position. Yeah, and it was Jalen Redmond kind of hurt his draft stock in that game overall. No, but maybe 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 Oklahoma loses by four touchdowns instead of the twelve touchdowns they lost to. But that's a different story. Sure, but <laughs> yeah, but again, I just want to like reiterate to the idea of like my I my where I'm at doesn't hasn't really changed. Like it hasn't changed knowing Kyle Pitts wasn't going to play in this game after the SC championship game. And to your point, like this was one of the more intriguing bowl games. Like if Kadarius Tony was playing, this game would have been fun. Yeah. A lot of fun. If you know, I think Trevin Grimes is a little bit overrated um as a receiver. I think he benefited the Dow because of his size and some of the catches he's made this year. But if Kadarius Tony was playing, this game would have been a lot of fun. And but now that he's not and Kyle Trask is playing, it just takes the luster out of what this could have been. It could have been an all-time like Cotton Bowl game. You, you want to talk about a shootout. Oklahoma hasn't been in one of those this year. Like This was heading for that. This was heading for a real-life shootout. And now this is a situation where I think Oklahoma's now just a three-point favorite, or now just. They have swung from being an underdog to a favorite since the news of everything that's come out today. Um, sounds like uh, Kyle Trask is playing, and I know we'll get into Kyle Trask and all that later, but just from the optics side of this, Brady, I, it's just like every individual's situation is different in terms of how like they are viewed by the NFL. Yep. So for a guy like Trey Brown, he's got the Reese's Senior Bowl coming up. Is it Reese's or Reese's? I say Reese's. Yeah, it's re- it's the Reese's, Reese's. I don't see an IES at the end of that. It's so. the, the Reese's Senior Bowl. I think, so the, I think it's just the last name is Reese, and he put the apostrophe, so it's Reese's. I'm fairly certain that's correct, but I'm I, what the hell do I know? So, I just – he has that coming, and then, like, that's such a big, more important draft interview than the Cotton Bowl against Florida for Trey Brown, so it makes sense. But, like, Kyle Pitts didn't need to play in this game. Makes sense. Trevin Grimes, like, now without without Pitts and, you know, arguably Oklahoma is probably the second best defense or third best defense Florida will play this year behind Georgia and Alabama. I mean, I wouldn't consider Oklahoma on Alabama's level quite yet. Statistically, they're just as good. But I get it. Like, I from these players' perspective of Florida opting out of this game makes sense. I hate it. But now with the aspect of all, the, you know, the, I know the Senior Bowl has been around for forever. But from the aspect of these guys, like, this, they gain nothing by playing in this game. There's guys that do. Creed Humphrey is a great example of this. Creed Humphrey. Third team, AP All-American. Fringe first-round guy, right? Like, there's still people that are questioning whether. I don't, I don't know if that's. I think got, I can well okay. I was going to say the, the argument sure. From the NFL perspective, this is a guy that could fly into that late first round. That's where he's been as high as he's been mocked. He's like 30th, 29th, yeah. 30th. Um didn't the Cowboys lose a uh, center? Yeah, but they, I think they drafted one from Wisconsin last year, like oh, okay. Tyler Biadizis okay. or something, yeah. I don't know, but there, uh, there's probably a team in the NFL that could want us that needs a center and then can then but, for example, he's going up against a good matchup, and we'll get into the Florida game. Number 56, um, defensive tackle from Florida, stands out a lot on tape. This is a really important game for Creed Humphrey. He goes out he goes out and plays well. He solidifies, he solidifies himself early in that second round. Yeah. Um, and that's the difference is that, like, Creed Humphrey has something to gain in this game. I don't think the guys that have now opted out um, besides Marco Wilson, which makes no sense why that guy would want to opt out after the shoe throw, but <laughs> – I just oh yeah he opted out as well yeah so. so he opted out corner Marco Wilson so I just there are things to be gained by playing in these games for certain individuals but every individual's situations like different and then their how they become an NFL prospect or a better one is also different so I see I see every perspective kind of heading this game but I hate that. We're not going to get to see a good Florida team go up against a good Oklahoma team because yeah. it's been really fun. Yeah, and let me kind of shy away from the hyperbolic statement of OU is in a lose-lose situation. No, of course, I mean, like, you're right. You, they are. You, well, even if they're playing a bad team during the regular season, so they go into Lubbock to go play Texas Tech. We knew Texas Tech was a bad team, so we thought 
if OU is truly taking the steps that we think they're taking since those since starting 0-2 in conference, then they need to go down there and kick the ever-loving shit out of Texas Tech. And that's that's what good teams do. So even though Florida's going to be minus 70% of their passing or their catching touchdowns or their passing whatever it's called, they're minus all that. Okay, well, then OU go out there and take care of business and look good doing it. If they can do that, then it's like, okay. They, they did exactly what they were supposed to do. But at the same time, I'll, here, I'll just ask you this. And we're not going to know this, but it's a podcast, so let's just talk about it for a few minutes because this is the only juicy thing we have to go off of this game, and it's what uh, that Florida linebacker said. Yep. How much of the opt-outs for Florida's players do you think um, had was is perhaps influenced by this idea that, okay, Oklahoma just doesn't belong on the field with us because they don't have an SEC patch on their jersey, and we all watched those last three playoff games that they were in. They got embarrassed in two of them. So – to that point, like, we've talked about this. Florida, like, this was a really bad matchup for Florida. Like, don't get me wrong. Like, if they didn't have Kyle Pitts, like, don't get me wrong. Kadarius Tony's a big-time receiver. He's going to catch a ton of yards in the NFL. He's going to be a lot of fun. But Kyle Trask is immobile. Their tackles aren't very good. And their interior offensive line is not very good. So, like, if you take Kyle Pitts out of the equation, if Trevin Grimes can't win at the line of scrimmage, Brady, like they're gonna, they would be in a world of hurt. So, to kind of what you're saying about the, you know, the game itself and this and that, it's just, it's just weird. Like, like yeah, I think that's the only way to put it. This game now, it's just. It's weird, and I'll say this. People have noticed it on Sooners where we haven't ridden much in the last week. It's because we didn't know. Like, I didn't know until Florida stepped on a plane today that if this game was happening. Like, there was a f- I got a phone call before they got on the plane that Oklahoma wasn't aware if Florida was actually traveling today or not. Like, they – like, it became it – it's coming down to the last minute here. Now we have all these opt-outs. Uh, it's, it's, it's just weird. But to your – we were saying, talking a couple minutes of podcast um, – I think this would this was a really bad matchup for Florida, and I know we're going to get into it. And the last time I've talked something like this to this extent, Brady, was the OU Oklahoma State game. In terms of, I thought that was a horrible matchup for Oklahoma State, and it ended up coming to fruition. Um, it's just before we get into the specifics of it, like just generally speaking, why is Florida or why is Oklahoma a bad matchup for Florida? Is it because Oklahoma is on paper? appears to be more balanced as a team as opposed to Florida, which kind of seems like a more classic Big 12 team where they're just all offense and the defense just needs to make a, a handful of plays here and there. Well, I think if you're ready to dive into this, I, it's Florida's offense was predicated on a ton of running back stuff out of the backfield. You saw me tweet that out. They went a ton of one-on-ones with their receivers, with Kyle Pitts. Um, they run a ton of mesh stuff underneath crossers they it literally looks like the Jets offense against the Browns the other day it looks no it looks like a Texas Tech Mike Leach offense is what it looks like with a better quarterback in Kyle Pitts who's a better player than man I guess Crabtree was pretty good back then but my point is is that this team and the way that they scheme things up on offense Yes, can they get stuff out quick? Yes, can they do that? Yes, but when Florida was Florida is at their best, is whenever Kyle Pitts or Kyle Trask has the time to deliver a ball downfield off of a running back wheel route, off a timing route, off of something. And we've seen what Oklahoma can do defensively to teams that rely on a lot of long run out routes. They yeah. just we we've, we've seen that Oklahoma State Oklahoma State had some problems. Texas, God, they could not. They could not find anybody open downfield. So I think that in particular. And then I know we're not taking a huge deep dive yet, but the middle of the field is so open against Florida's defense, Brady Trantham, that like we've the problems we've talked about with Spencer Rattler, we've talked ad nauseum about that over the last month. This is perfect. He hasn't played a defense that's going to give him the middle of the field like Florida's going to give him the middle of the field. Like – Florida's defense. Will he care though? <laughs> that's, a, that's a great point. Um, 
he should care. He wins this game. He's got. He wins this game and plays well, Brady. He'll be in the driver's seat for next year. He'll be in the driver's seat for the number one pick in the 2022 NFL draft. And everything. Yeah, and winning a national title, winning the Heisman. It's all out there in front of him. And I'm glad you. I'm glad we're going to talk about that here. And you know, by the time we end this, but this is just a bad matchup for Florida. If they didn't have Kyle Pitts, it was just a really bad matchup. They just the things they do offensively. Like, they don't run the football well, so that's already off the, out of the picture. They don't have a safety blanket on third down or in the red zone. That's out of the picture. They would have had to have a lot of success with a bunch of running back stuff out of the backfield, and they would have had a lot of success with Tony, uh, Kadarius Tony, making a bunch of guys miss after the catch because they would have just gotten the football to him in the flats. They would have gotten to him underneath. They would have let him make plays. Yep. And now that that's out of the picture, I mean, it is just abs- – like, Kyle Trask, like, why are you playing? Well, I respect it. Sure, I respect it, too. It's probably because Trask understands what I was talking about with the whole disrespect angle. Like, hey, this is Oklahoma. Yeah, this isn't the playoff. But it's Oklahoma. It's it's a fun game. This is why you play big-time college football is to play schools like Oklahoma, not South Carolina, not Missouri, not Vanderbilt. You go out there to play Alabama. You go out there to play LSU even when they're down. Go out there and play Oklahoma in a bowl game. It's big. It means something. But, I mean, it's a new age. I don't want to per- sit here and think that, okay, opt-outs are going to be so much more prevalent, so much more common once things return to normal. I think this whole season, I certainly understand a little bit more so why players are deciding to opt-out um, of regular bowl games more so than other years just because of the mental stress, everything they've had to deal with this year. I can see why. You know what? I'm just done. I just want to take care of myself, hang out with my friends and family, and call it good. Okay, that's fine. But maybe just Trask simply believes how we believe as fans and people that have followed the the sport for a long time. But that's neither here nor there because, (laughs) bless his heart, he's going to be running for his life. Yeah, and he's he's not very mobile. He's he's not very mobile either. He's good in the pocket, like maneuvering the pocket and like changing where the pocket is at times like Trask is good at that see you could describe you could that's how you can describe Brock Purdy but Brock Purdy is actually a tad bit athletic yeah he's not super fast but he can manipulate the pocket but he is athletic enough to take off um Trask is not he's like Dan Marino back there you want to start with Kyle Trask because I think I I know we're not gonna have a huge like the evaluation on him is not as important as it once was but from a the as I made the joke, the idle Florida fan in this state, um, in this area, well in this market. Um, well, right off the bat, because this will go right into it. We need to. Say, I need to say this. I told you this before we went on air. Like these opt outs, of course, help Oklahoma on the field. But just like I said on Twitter, I'm getting some 1978 Orange Bowl vibes. Arkansas suspended like six, seven players that night. Oh, you could, if OU beats Arkansas, they win the national championship, and then Arkansas beats the crap out of them, thirty-one to six. So OU has to go out there and, of course, take care of business. But these opt-outs help them. But going into this game, because I think as soon as the game was announced, Kyle Pitts announced that he wasn't going to play. Yeah. So that at that point, that's all we knew. I thought in going into this game that the the game is not going to be won by OU because of what. OU's defense does to Florida's offense. It's what OU's offense does yep. because of the script that we've talked about over and over of how they look great for a quarter and a half and then they look stagnant and slow for a quarter or so. They cannot afford to be that. They, they cannot afford to look like that for a quarter, but losing all that firepower for Florida, I guess, gives them a little bit more margin for error, which goes into Kyle Trask because that's where the game will be won. It is, and it's the battle of the quarterbacks, and I know it's been talked about a little bit, but – yeah, Kyle Trask, he is, he, he's an interesting case study because, like, part of part of me, Brady, I want to sit here and be able to laud him and just he's got a chance to be a, you know, a great NFL quarterback, this and that. A lot of his success this year is because of the scheme, which that could be said for a lot of the great quarterbacks. But he, there are things that Dan Mullen schemes up that it's clear these SEC defenses just can't handle. So – with Kyle Trask, you're getting a guy, he's not very mobile, doesn't have a strong arm, but he's extremely smart. He knows where he wants to go with the football. It's clear that he studies his tape a lot. It's very apparent that he knows where he wants, depending on what the defense does, where he goes with the football. So those things are very apparent. And he, it seems like he always delivers a football that's on time and his receivers are catching it in stride, especially underneath. So a lot of what I just described is what you would hear from a 
quarterback that played in the air raid, which is what I exactly what I think Florida is. Florida is just Florida is more air raidy than I don't think Lincoln ever got to at a point at Oklahoma. Like they are very air raid. I mean, is it because it's Dan Mullen? So yeah. it's from the Urban Meyer coaching tree. He was he was uh, Florida's offensive coordinator when OU played them in the national title game and lost. Did you know that? I did not know that. Oh, okay. No, I think John Hoover asked that question. Shout out John Hoover. Um, that was a spread offense, but it's the Urban Meyer spread offense where you have gigantic quarterback here with some mobility, and you do a lot of motion. You get a lot of guys in jet sweeps, that type of thing. Basically, the offense I wanted OU to run with Blake Bell, but refused to. So is it much different than that? Is it completely different than that? Because when I think Dan Mullen, that's what I think of, not Texas yeah. Tech Air Raid. Yeah, it's like, how do I say this? And you'll, you'll only get this because you and I have talked about this before. Like how I've talked about how Ohio State is very air raidy and it's made me pause on Justin Fields, which I think some of that's come to fruition Hell, this his year. play in the Big Ten title game makes me pause on yeah. him. So Ohio State is, in terms of just how simple the concepts are, like Brady, Florida's running two mesh – two mesh routes over the middle of the field just to two crossers over the middle of the field just to beat man coverage. I mean, it's very simple stuff. Yeah. But now Florida does do, does do some interesting things. They get into a bunch of four wide. They get to a bunch of five wide. Um, they're going to be into some different pass sets that have given Oklahoma problems in the past offensively. So um, you look at the point of the LSU game, Iowa State game last year, um, you know, there, there's just been times where if a team chooses to go four wide, five wide, and, and attack Oklahoma like that for a long time, like if Kyle Trask throws the football sixty plus times on set on Wednesday, like that's a really good thing for Florida. Like, yeah. and I've made this comment before, like Sam Ellinger need to throw the football fifty times against OU. Like, it just that's the only way that Texas is going to win a bunch of short passes, attack the middle of the field, and that's the other thing too. Before we, um, I know we've talked about the opt outs, and I don't know any of the other receivers. I can tell you this here: I can pull up Florida's depth chart. They have a couple, um, and of course, as of right now, OU is just going to be minus Trey Brown. But that, of course, can change by the time we put this podcast up. Yes. Which shout out to Vanessa House for taking care of us once again. Uh, always Vanessa House, my favorite. I'm drinking 89 lagers. I always do. Uh, Kamor Gamble, tight end. Keon Zipper, tight end. And then they have a receiver who's pretty good. Justin Shorter. Um, I know he spoke to the media for Florida. Was their wide receiver represent um, representative the last week? But uh, but yeah, you know it's they are very like offensively Florida. I would anticipate them to throw the football a lot. I mean. I know they have guys out, but the best way to beat Oklahoma, and Dan Mullen is smart enough to do this, and we've talked about how people get beat Oklahoma. You, one, you have to be able to run the football. Two, Florida won't be able to do that. But if you can't do that, two, you've got to be able to get quick passes out and let, let your receivers make plays in the passing game, quick passing game. And then three is attack the middle of the field, which it's attacking the middle of the field. This is these people who understand this comparison. That phrase in football has now become throw a fastball inside in baseball. People yep. are so afraid to do it because they don't trust that they don't trust that their quarterback can. The middle of the field is opening against Oklahoma's defense. Texas Tech tried it. Bobbled bobbled passes turned into interceptions. Yes. Um and Iowa State and Kansas State have done it in the past. So Florida will do those things and I anticipate them to do those things on Wednesday. Yeah, the whole thing about the running game, it's odd because for whatever reason, I feel like if Florida had some awesome running back, it would actually give me a little bit more it actually, in a weird way, gave me a little bit more confidence, and it's just because I've seen this team this year, Brees Hall, Chuba Hubbard, you know, by far the two best running backs that this defense played. Am I correct, or am I completely missing somebody? I think it's just Brees Hall, Chuba Hubbard, and probably Ramondre Stevenson are the best backs in the league. Um, the defense went out there and just eyed them and crushed them. And the thought of some no-name guy that's not a part of the scouting report as much so just gashing Oklahoma because they're just, okay, it's, good, the, it's the Kyle Trash show, should just go out there, pin your ears back, go kick his ass. Uh, it put, gives me a little bit of pause, but again, I'm a paranoid OU fan, so what do I know? At the end of the day, we just we don't know, and it's so odd because this kind of becomes the whole conference versus conference thing, and it gives me a headache because these bowl games do not prove which conference is better. No. It doesn't. It's all about matchups. Some matchups are better than others. My biggest example is always going to be the same thing. Texas Tech in 2004 beat the ever-loving shit out of Aaron Rodgers and Cal. 
Cal was upset they didn't make a BCS Bowl. This is Aaron Rodgers. Texas Tech beat the hell out of him. So sometimes matchups are just better for team, insert team here. It doesn't have anything to do with conference stuff. But what we're basing all this off of, the middle of the field, you know, all that, Florida's lack of running game, um, Oklahoma's defensive numbers, their impressive play, well, that's Oklahoma against the Big 12. And we don't know if the Big 12 is a much improved defensive conference or if it's simply a byproduct of the quarterback play in the conference has dropped significantly from where it was three or four years ago. And it's the inverse in the SEC. We don't know if it's because the offenses have greatly improved from the archaic, boring offenses they were three or four years ago, or if it's because the defenses are falling off because now they have to chase around five foot eight, you know, skill guys over the middle of the field or gigantic tight ends, you know, multiple sets, trips out wide, just stuff like that that they didn't have to deal with three or four years ago. So we're going to find out. But at the same time, we saw this defensive line from Oklahoma just destroy every time they were out there, even in losses. We've seen the secondary improve and improve and become a unit that doesn't miss tackles, that doesn't drop interceptions, and cannot shoot themselves in the foot all the time with penalties. So it just gives me all the more reason to think, well, oh, you should win, and they should win rather comfortably because that's when you're minus all those skill guys for Florida and you're Oklahoma, that's what you got to go do. Yeah, and uh, this is a, a situation you're talking about the SEC Big 12 conversation this year. Like, I'll say this, and you've seen these, you've seen this data. I may have put this out there. The Big 12, in terms of the blue chip ratio for next season, Brady, the SEC, the mighty SEC, recruiting does matter. You want to know why? The SEC's average blue chip ratio, as it stands today for next year, 43% per team. Ooh. Oklahoma, the Big 12s. 19%. Yeah. But you know what's crazy is this is what good coaching does for a conference is that the gap in recruiting has never been bigger. But the gap on the field I don't think has ever been smaller between the yeah. Big 12 and the SEC. Cuz look, it, it doesn't take a rocket scientist to let's just compare Florida and Iowa State. Last That'd be such a fun game. Last opponent OU's played to the next opponent that OU's going to play. Florida probably has a more talented roster on defense. And they have a more talented player. So Yes, just, you know, you go player by player down the roster on defense. Yeah, Florida's players appear to be better. But that doesn't mean that they're a better defense. Iowa State's defense plays extremely well. They play extremely hard. And, yes, there's probably no coach in the country that's gotten the most out of their talent than Matt Campbell. I think we can think there would be no argument here on that. But at the same time, I think Matt Campbell would prefer to have the talent so it just really depends on what shows up. Like, is the talent so much more so on Florida's defensive side that Oklahoma just simply won't be ready for that challenge just yet because they're used to the level of talent that you alluded to in the yeah. Big 12? Or does it mean more to go up against and defeat well-coached talent that does their job? Like, that's something that you and I just don't know because we, we haven't played college football. Yeah, for sure. I, I wanted to say something about that real quick. I think it's important to note that in the Big 12 this year, Brady, they, I don't know if you've looked at this. And th just think about this. I don't know from a – this happens, you know, every blue moon, every decade, every 20 years, however it may be. You ready? There are seven teams in the Big 12 with at least two NFL defensive, line, defensive linemen. When's the last time that happened? Whoa. Is that yeah. not crazy? Yeah. they like – it's – and Lincoln's right. Like, like, that is the clear difference between the Big 12 and 2020 – than the Big 12 between 2011 and 2018 is that there is elite defensive line talent in this conference again. Like, go like just for example, go to Kansas State. Like, White Hubert, probably going to be, what, fourth to seventh round draft pick, Brady, more yeah. than likely? Like, how would you, where would you rate his performance against Oklahoma that Saturday? And how, when you've watched Kansas State play at other times this year, how good do you think he really, really is? Like, that's a 10-year NFL vet. He's one of the top ten end. players in the conference. Oh, I, no doubt, and I agree. It's just not—he's not talked about that much. Khalid Duke, another guy on their defensive line at Kansas State, monster. Oklahoma State's got two guys right now: Lacey, who's coming back; Ford, who's coming back. Oklahoma's got who they got. Texas has who's they have. TCU's got the Mathis kid and Corey Bethley. West Virginia with the Stills brothers. Iowa State, Jaquan Bailey, Will McDonald, that number nine from Iowa State, by the way. He was a sophomore. Yeah, I don't know if you saw my tweet. That oh my God. <laughs> so, but my point is, is that the recruiting gap between the Big 12 and the SEC has never been wider. 
But I feel after watching these games, especially from the SEC, Florida, I've watched A&M, okay, Georgia, LSU, and Alabama. What I, – I, I can't – whenever I watch those games, the only thing that's different, linebacker play. And Oklahoma State's the only team in the Big 12 that I think has the linebacker play to match. Well, unless David Aguayby plays like again. I know you saw me start commenting on that after, but – and I'm going, going off on a tangent here, but again, this it's it's so apparent that like okay, stick Iowa State in the SEC this year. That defense this year, that defense with John Heacock and the way they play, like does is is Florida and Alabama and all these schools scoring that many points on them? Alabama probably. Florida with Kyle Pitts probably. Everybody else, yeah. Are we sure? And then you get into the silly thing of like this is why it annoys me when people say like this conference is better after bowl games. If Iowa State's in a different, if they're in the SEC, then they are geared to stop these these other teams. They watch film on them. They're primarily geared, recruiting wise, talent wise, philosophically wise, to stop Alabama, to stop Florida. So, yeah, they're going to look better against the SEC if they're in the SEC. That is across the board. That's why I mean it's just silly uh, when. Teams across the country don't play similar schedules, and especially this year, some teams are playing five games and getting in the playoff or whatever, but schedules are not at all equal. And so I guess the best that we can go off of is just projecting into a bowl game, and then whatever result comes, okay, that is the definitive proof. That, like Iowa State was trash, or Iowa State was actually very good. It's like, no, Iowa State's really good. We know that from watching them play their games all year. We know Oklahoma's good from watching them play all their games this year. And we know Florida is very good on offense. <laughs> mm-hmm. Not well. We just don't know now. Like That's what's so crazy. Well, I'm Brady. talking about during the regular no, season. No, sure. And I, it's so nuts because I guess I'm just not accustomed to a, a team – Okay, I apologize. I watched this happen for all of 2019. It is very a, a team's offense. It is not sustainable when you have one player that's just dominating. It's just not like Oklahoma rolling last year, even with CD only being the only guy rolling. And then the TCU game happened. TCU said, "Screw it, we are sticking a safety right over the top of CD Lamb. Oh, we're gonna put a corner right in front of him as well." So it's amazing to me, like how good Florida was with how much attention Kyle Pitts got. And that's credit to Kadarius Toney. And that's what's so tough. And I know we're about to get over to their defense. And I don't have a ton of time, but get over their defense. But offensively, Florida, they just – their attack, they're big up front. Like, don't get me wrong. You ready for this? Blast from recruiting class. You know who their starting right tackle is? Who is it? Gian DeLeon's. Oh. Okay. I would, fun, written, I would have I would have a story on him if I was if this was a normal bowl week I would have written a story on him. It's funny when these names pop back up around bowls. Remember season. how? Remember remember why he decommitted? Oh, this wasn't no that was an A and M thing. No, what was it? I believe it was the most not the most recent but one of the uh, racist deals at OU. If you remember correctly, it was like 2016 or oh, okay something happened yeah. um, and he used it and decommitted, but uh. Heck, it could have been 2014. He could be old. I don't know. But I just remember his name. But they're just – they're big up front, Brady. But this is what I say about when you go play an SEC team. They're big, burly, fit to play against the SEC. They're not – the way – Florida up front, they struggle, and I haven't said this yet, against stunts and twists, which is – okay, sign number one. Sign number two, they're not very athletic up front. Not, that's not good going up against an Oklahoma front. And number three, they're not very physical yeah. in the run game. The big question, I think, for the game is just going to be this. Is where would Oklahoma's offense, how, how would they look if they played in the SEC? And that's a wh- good point. And that goes back to what I said earlier. Like This is where the game will be won because we know Oklahoma's offense, we know what their ceiling looks like, but they can only sustain that according to what they've done all season long for so long in a game. They're not able to do it quarter one to quarter four. They've done it for a half. You could argue that they did it for primarily the entire game in Lubbock. Uh, Kansas doesn't matter. Uh, They went to sleep in the second and third quarter against Oklahoma State and kicked ass in the first and kicked ass in the fourth. So this offense, 
where does it stack up against an Alabama? Where does it stack up against a Florida, even though it's kind of silly because they're playing Florida? But Florida's defense has seen Alabama. They've seen bad teams with some nice offensive numbers in the SEC. Can I, can I ask a quick question before I answer? Yeah, go. Is this with Spencer Rattler playing like he did against Texas Tech? or is that's, this is that's the thing is – if Spencer Rattler plays like he did against Texas Tech, OU's going to win and win very big. OU's going to win national championship next year. But until I see this team go up against a team of the caliber of Florida, uh, or just anybody, Iowa State, and let uh, until I see this offense not go to sleep for a, a quarter and a half or two, like I'm just going to assume that that's probably what's going to happen again. But maybe Florida's lost so much on offense that they won't be able to get, you know, move the football at all, and OU will have chance after chance after chance, even if they go to sleep for a little bit, to wake back up. They're in a weird, like, how do I say this? And it's so tough for me to say this and because I know, like, okay, we're on Oklahoma's offense, so I'll say this. Brent Cox, number one, defensive end, Ed Trusher, Nick Benito, the Florida's version of Nick Benito. He's a freak, Yeah, Brady. I mean, freak show. Um, number 56, defensive tackle. I brought his name up, and I will um, I'll say his name. You ready? <laughs> to Daryl Slayton. And I'm serious. T-E, Daryl Slayton. What a name. Uh, I like it. He's really, really good. Senior, uh, 51 linebacker from out Florida. And Mike linebacker, Ventrell Miller. He'll be an NFL guy. Um, but you know this from recruiting past Brady. You ready? How does the secondary of Brad Stewart, Marco Wilson, and Kyir Elam not be really good. I know we asked the same questions about Oklahoma's defense from 2015 to 2018, but yeah. how, does, how does the secondary with those three guys not turn out to be unbelievable? Like, Brad Stewart is one of my favorite recruits um, out of his recruiting class. Marco Wilson, no, but Kyer Elam two years ago, that's a guy that Oklahoma would have loved to get. Yeah. No, it, that goes back to, like, their roster talent-wise, like individual player by player is – you know their talent level is fairly high. Like we know what the recruiting numbers are. So that they're defensively Brady, they just they don't have a ton of NFL talent, right? As it stands today, Marco Wilson opted out, but even he, like I wouldn't take him over Trey Brown right now. Um, this might be silly. Do you have off the top of your head like how many snaps per game Florida's defense is out on the field? That's a good point. It's a good question. Um, yep. No, I don't, but I could definitely figure that out. Um, like, what quick. drives per game are they going up against compared to Oklahoma's defense? Because it's just, it's just simple. Like, if your defense is out there for a long, long time, the likelihood that they give up a, a big play or start gashing some yards or points, it's, you know, it's high just because they get tired. Oklahoma's defense got tired in that second half against Iowa State because the offense couldn't move. That's my fear in this Cotton Bowl is that the offense will go to sleep and then the defense will just get tired and tired and tired and tired, and their biggest strength will be negated. But perhaps Florida kind of went through that themselves, which leads their defensive numbers to look fairly average. All right, and this is something, too, on Florida's – I know we've kind of flipped it over. On Florida's offense real quick, Florida's offense, SP Plus, and rating this year, Brady, is third in the country at 44.6. Yeah. Re you realize how far that's off from, like, how good LSU was last year, how good Alabama and Oklahoma were two years ago, and how good Oklahoma was in 2017? Like, don't get me wrong. Like, Florida's offense is historic for Florida this year. Like, I don't want to deny that. But in the realm of, like, historical offenses, like, they're not historical offense. Yeah. Um, but on the flip side, on the flip side of that, sorry to get back on that topic. Um Florida's defense, as I said, they're they have a really good defensive tackle. They are bigger, more physical up front. They're very it's more like Texas. But I'll say this, like Texas's defensive line is better than Florida's. Yeah. They are just they are not very good up front, which is crazy. Um it's just I just can't get my finger on like how does a defense with that much talent become this bad? And they're bad, like bad. You want to go yards per play, and I know they've played some good offenses this year, but like Georgia's offense, Brady, like Stetson Bennett was having guys open. Like they're 21st in the country. Like they're not very good. Yeah. Um, Florida, Florida yards per play real quick. I believe Florida's like 77th. All right, they're 66th in yards per play allowed. They allow five and a half. For example, Oklahoma allows five, and they're 27th. Um, Florida 
I believe in terms of plays, opponent, punt, opponent, 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 scoring defense. Maybe it's in scoring defense. Opponent, yards per point. No, no, no. All right, this is terrible. This is great podcasting here. But <laughs> in the realm of uh, in the realm of this, Brady, I, I think to what you're saying, it's very apparent that they – how do I say this? Like, Florida's defense is very 2017, 2018 Oklahoma, yeah. as in at the end of the game, they're banking on Brenton Cox, number one, or they're banking on somebody making a big play, whether it's number 11. they uh, Number 11, their linebacker is also pretty good. Mm-hmm. Um, you ready to t- me to try to say this name? Try. Mohamed uh, Diabate. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, better than I could have done. So, But uh, k- k- for some reason, team rankings doesn't have the uh, plays per game that someone's playing or p- defending this year, which is really weird. They typically have that. Um, but if regardless – Regardless of the point, Florida's defense isn't very good. And uh, Texas A&M, I'll say this, um, Texas A&M countered them a little bit to death, a little bit. Zone game was there running-wise, and that's probably the best offensive line. Alabama obviously ran it all over them. So Oklahoma should be able to run the football here. Um, as well as I think, and I said attack in the middle of the field, Brady. This is the point in the podcast we brought this up, and I'm, I was glad I said earlier, I was glad we talked about this. We would talk about this. This is Spencer Rattler's game. It has Not, to be. This isn't a make or break by any means. He's the starting quarterback at Oklahoma in 2021. I don't care what anybody says about Caleb Williams. I think I think I think he's really good. I think he's a lot better than what I gave him credit for at the beginning. But the middle of the field is going to be wide open. There's not going to be a wide receiver who can't win a one-on-one matchup in this game. It is all dependent on how the tackles block Britton Cox which will be a tall task. Like, Anton Harrison and Adrian Ely with their size, though, should be okay with how Cox kind of rushes. Yeah. He likes to be physical, which is a little bit weird for a kind of a lean, leaner speed rusher. <laughs> but he likes to get up, like, right up in, uh, against a tackle, be able to use his hands, do this, do that. So we'll have a little bit up on some of this tomorrow, but um, up on the Patreon I will. But, yeah, it's – they're just – it's mind-blowing. Like, Florida – how do I say this? And this is my final take on Florida. Florida with Kyle Pitts is one of the top six teams in the country. I'm not sure if Florida without Kyle Pitts is a top 15, top 20 team in the country. He is that good. Well, I mean, look no further than OU. Their offense certainly looks worse without Austin Stogner. I mean, it's, it's just yeah, the same kind of idea. I mean, to a lesser extent, of course. Kyle Pitts is much better than Stogner at this point in their careers. But, no, I mean – Spence, this has to be Spencer Rattler's game. If he's not able to put up numbers, put up yards, let's, let's, make let's, throws, let's, let's simple throws. Let's set a, a simple, like, God, that third down throw he missed to Jeremiah Hall in that zone coverage I yeah. showed. Oh, my God. Um, but I want to set a number here. I want to see 300 yards, at least 300 yards. I know he gets to there a lot. I want to see 300 yards, three touchdowns, no turnovers. He goes and does that. Oklahoma wins by three touchdowns. Easy. I hope so. I could see it. Yeah. I just need to see the consistency. Like a like a 48-31 game. I could see it being that. Mm-hmm. I could see it. I could like without those four receivers playing, I could legit see Florida not score 30 points in this game. And they have they've done it all year. And you know what? You know, lose-lose situation. You know, he needs to go down there and take care of business. I mean, whatever you want to consider it. Lincoln Riley needs a bowl win as a head coach. <laughs> like he, he just He's got one. Oh, well, it's a head coach, yeah. As a head coach, yes. I mean, well, I guess in theory he hasn't ever lost a bowl game because this hasn't ever been oh a bowl Oh, God. Game. But to your point, yes. Is that what the recruiting would say? Oh, I'm undefeated in bowl games. I've not played in one yet. He hasn't, <laughs> he hasn't. He hasn't played one. They've only been college football playoffs. They've been bowl eligible, but not lost a bowl game. Correct. They've been playoff games. Well, I guess if you consider the Rose Bowl and it being the Orange Bowl. And well, that's played in Texas now. That is played in Texas, which is – did you see the uh, thing that – Yeah, Gil Brandt. Gil Brandt sent out? Yeah, that's apparently there are some logistical issues be <laughs> arising because the Rose Bowl is being played. So I'm assuming AT&T. basically what he's saying is that OU and Florida are going to get in, check in, sleep, check out the next day, and then wait around for a bowl game and go home. Like, right? Isn't that how it read to you? 
Yeah, and it's a seven o'clock kickoff. Yeah, it's nuts. It, this is, it's so odd. Here, I'll ask you this: in normal times, when if hope God willing we get normal times next football season, or even just in spring, you know, we get spring football and all that stuff. Do you kind of like the quick turnaround? Now, I this do. Is, this is a normal normal times, you know, where teams are they know this going in that you'll have a a little over a week to prepare for your bowl opponent. Do you like that better? Because I do. I think because OU how fans do I say this? Like, like, we're in the player empowerment era, right? Like, why would they not try to fit in this many bye weeks in a normal season? You know? Yeah. Like, I'm kind of down for it. Like, it keeps guys healthy, keeps guys engaged. Um, that's not going to happen, obviously, because everybody's trying to play as many games as possible nowadays. But I like it. I think it's it's good for each program. Because I think, like, if you don't make a playoff game, like, go ahead, get this out of the way, move on the next year. Um, which I think that they would like that. Now, would Oklahoma and Florida like some more time to prepare? Yeah, a little bit, but that's it. <sighs> like, I bet Florida wanted to play this game after the SC game ended. They would have had all – their players would have been healthy, all the guys available. Yeah. Well, yeah. Win some, you lose some. What else needs to work, real quick, before we get you, get you out of here, Keegan? What else needs to work? Uh, does Ramondre need to get a yeah. ton of carries, or does Marvin Mims need to feast? I think, you know, the biggest thing, you know, we've touched on basically a lot of this, but I will, you know, just reiterate, defensively for Oklahoma, they're going to have to tackle really well. They're going to be put in some situations they haven't been put in all year. David Aguaybu and the linebackers are going to be stressed a lot by Dan Mullen. Um, they're going to run a ton of running back stuff. I mean, wheeling it, swinging it, screening it. They're going to run a ton of stuff to these running backs out of the backfield. It's going to be playing like an NFL game in that, in terms of that. Um, also, I don't know necessarily with these guys out, but they did attack vertically quite a bit. They like to get into one-on-one situations. Florida's going to spread you out. Florida's going to run a ton of four wide. They're going to run a ton of five wide. And then Florida as well um, in the running game, ton of zone, ton yep. of inside zone stuff. They counter it at times. But they're just—they're not physical enough up front, um, and they struggle offensively a lot uh, with stunts and twists. I know we've touched on that. And then offensively for Oklahoma, which I think it gets interesting because 51, the linebacker from Florida, is extremely physical and he's extremely athletic. So anything outside zone, this that—that's going to be really tough to manage. Oklahoma needs to really focus on getting 55, not 56, but matching up number 55 in the run game. However they can do it. If they can get him in a one-on-one, they're going to run, be able to run the football a lot. The guards are going to have to play well. Um, and something that we haven't talked a lot about in the last couple of weeks is two things. Anton Harrison coming in for Eric Swenson. I'll be interested to see if he gets to start being his last game tomorrow or if it is uh, Anton Harrison, Eric Swenson, if, if Swenson's starting. Chris Murray replaced Tyrese Robinson. I don't think that went as well as Harrison replacing uh, Chris Murray looked like a chicken with his head cut off in that game, which makes sense. It's been so inconsistent with him. So in terms now of that you and I have both seen some things about Oklahoma's offense. Oh, I haven't shown you that. We got I got to show you that. I don't even know if I've told you I have this yet, but uh, makes sense why it takes an offensive lineman. I'll say this. It makes sense in terms of Oklahoma's offense, why it takes offensive linemen so long to get going. Yeah. But, uh, but no, and then offensively, Counter stuff should be pretty good. Zone stuff should be pretty good. But they're going to win with Spencer Rattler's arm in his head, in his brain. If those two things are on together and they're on point, Oklahoma should run Florida out of the place. They should be. They should I'm, completely run them out of that place. I mean, half their team's already out of the place, so yes, that should be the case. Um, before we get to the predictions and close out our final matchup pod. Of the 2020 season, thank God it's almost over. Did want to say, give a little bit of a shout out to, and this is going to be odd because it's on SoundCloud, and this user doesn't have a name, so it's just a stock number. So user 23956928. I just want to say thank you so much for listening to the last episode, and thank you for all your comments. I really appreciate it. He gave seven comments on the Road Warrior pod that I recorded yesterday. So oh, damn. Just wa- just wanna it was Road Warrior. It was actually him. No, I'm kidding. Maybe, <laughs> for all we know. Uh, just want to let you know, sir or madam, that I appreciate you listening to our show. So now, Keegan, 
let's get our predictions, and we will actually have a little bit of a caveat because we are recording this right now at 4.40 on Monday. We don't know if Kyle Trask is playing. Well, that's our caveat. We're going to we're going to predict it as of right now. So if OU has some key players out because of COVID and opt-outs, then don't hold it against us. And if Florida like misses Kyle Trask or even more guys other than Kyle Trask, you know, don't hold it against us either in terms of the spread. Oklahoma covers the spread. I've said that from the beginning. They're three. Yeah, if Oklahoma's three-point favorite, I, I, I think Oklahoma blows them out. I, I, I Again, I, I think this is a great matchup for Oklahoma. It was a great matchup for Oklahoma. I had them 45-34 before Kadarius Tony opted out. I think it's going to be worse than that now. Again, wouldn't shock me if Florida scores under 30 points. I'll take Oklahoma, though, 51-31. to 31. <sighs> I think I'll say... Oklahoma, 45, Florida, 17. No, that, that even feels bad. That didn't feel right coming it off the it tongue. Did, it doesn't. I just – this is the most impossible game to prognosticate. Predict, yep. It's impossible. So, I was 45-17 OU. I think it's going to be – I think you're right on. I think that, that, that score – would be enough for OU to keep, like OU to kind of tell themselves, oh yeah, even with your guys, we still would have kicked your ass. Yeah, no, and I think that's what it's going to be. Like again, if Florida had Kyle Pitts, Florida's Kyle Pitts to me in this game was a twenty-eight point swing. If Kyle Pitts was playing, Florida wins this game by fourteen. Kyle Pitts not playing, I had Oklahoma by two touchdowns, forty-five thirty-four. So there you go with that. It just and then if Oklahoma say Kyle Trask doesn't play, Florida's not going to score twenty-seven. They're not going to score twenty-eight points. So I'll if say Kyle Trask doesn't play, Oklahoma wins fifty-five to twenty-four. Wow! Wow! Oh, I'm I, I think this is gonna be an ass whooping. I think Oklahoma's way too good up front. I think they're gonna take this game personally, and I think this team's gonna want to play want to take a lot of momentum in the next season. All right. Well, there you have it. It's the last one of the season until the off-season pods start to roll in and. Like I said on yesterday's pod, we will figure out a good little schedule and put it out there for everybody so you can look forward to more Inside OU podcasts once OU is done playing football for the 2020 football season. I want to say, for me, it's been a hectic year for me. Who knows where I'll be at in 2021, but Brady, it's been a pleasure. I know it hasn't been easy. I'm not the easiest person to work with, and I say this to everybody. But thank you. Of course, um, thank I you. I think we've we we <laughs> we figured it out the before the last game of the year of what we need to do. <laughs> yeah. But uh, but uh, to the, all the patrons, to all the people, regardless of where I'm at, and I've told Brady this, what regardless of what happens next season, um, I plan on doing this as it stands today. Regardless of what happens, the film stuff's never going to go away. I'm way too we're, we're way too invested. I'm way too invested into it to know at this point. So um, shout out to all the patrons that stuck by. I think the Big 12 championship game was very informative for a lot of people um, that have seen it, that have watched it. Um, it's That's the stuff that I enjoy. So thank you guys for letting me enjoy it. To all the listeners, thank you for – and Brady, thank you for letting me be a part of this. It's been a lot of, of fun. And I'm looking forward to uh, – and this is not the last thing. I don't think that we're doing yet for Florida, but the patrons will have a nice little surprise tomorrow night. Um, but for the most part, again, thank you all. Um, it's been a pleasure, and I love being able to do this every day. Yeah, and of course we'll have our post-game pod uh, late Wednesday night, early Thursday morning at some point. We'll figure that out for our patrons. And again, like Egan said, shout out and thank you so much to all of our patrons. And then of course to all the regular listeners of the Inside OU podcast. Got one more game, but that won't be the last you hear from us. So thank you all for sticking with us through this fun, weird, crazy, not-so-fun, chaotic season. But we got to the end, so let's hope OU just kicks ass and gives us all something to smile about as we get into 2021. So, everybody, thank you so much for listening to Inside OU. Boomer Sooner, and we'll talk to you later.